Well, welcome to those of you guys who aren't used to being in the ground floor. Welcome. This is where all the fun happens all the time. Um, just thought you give you guys a little sneak peek. Uh, we're we're, we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm Pastor Daniel. Um, I get to help lead youth, and it is lots and lots of fun. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 19, he turns to a couple of guys that are fishing, and he says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And it says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And I got thinking about this going, well, that seems really simple. Come, follow me. But when they responded, it was like a massive decision. Like they left their nets. Those were expensive. This was their livelihood. And I, and I got thinking that what they gave up to follow him was massive. They turned their back on everything and said, God, we're going to lay aside everything that we have to seek you, to follow you, to be a part of what you're doing. And I got thinking because Jesus turns and he gives this, this offer to us. But when he offers us this invitation to follow him, it, it, does, it is not without cost. See, because when we follow him, it'll affect our finances. It'll affect our relationships. It'll reflect how we talk. It'll reflect what we watch how we work, how we study, how we, we play. Because all of a sudden, when we follow him, it means we're letting go of our own way and letting him direct our life. And following him can't be fully, can't be compartmentalized. You can't say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm following you, but I'm gonna do my own thing over here. And I'm following you, but I'm gonna do my own thing over here. It's, you're following him and he's directing you or occasionally you walk the same direction, even though you're going the way that you wanted to go. And we have this choice. And I got thinking, going, okay, if he invites me to follow him, am I following him with every part of my life? And am I following him with my finances? Because he challenges us to honor him first. And I got asking the question all throughout, but it applies to our finances as well. Going, am I following God with my finances? Are you? As we get ready we're to give you an opportunity to, to sow into God's kingdom, to follow him and to honor him with your finances as well as every other part of your life. I'm gonna pray and they're gonna pass the buckets. God, I thank you for this opportunity to sow into your kingdom. That as that we do, God, that we honor you. We honor you with our faith. We honor you by trusting you, by recognizing you as our source. And God, that it honors you, but that we get to be a part of what this money goes and does. The, all the lives that it reaches. And God, I ask that you bless each and every person as they sow into your kingdom, that it would, they would reap a harvest. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, and, uh, for those of you guys who are in high school, we have some mission trips. And those of you who are parents and have a student who's in high school, we have mission trips for them this summer. We're going to be taking a team to Belize, and we're going to be taking another team on a mission trip slash discipleship trip downtown this summer. They are going to be awesome. And if your student or you as a student have never left the country, you need to go on an out-of-country mission trip before you leave high school. It will rock your world. It will change your perspective. God will work through you, and God will do a massive work in you. Um, for all of those in junior high and in high school, we have the One Heart Conference coming up February 3 and 4. It's going to be awesome. Sign-ups for that are available online. So if you have not signed up for yet, that yet, get signed up. For all of the adults in the room, 
Um, next week, Wednesday, you guys are going to have a very special guest. Our very own Pastor Tim Gillio from the youth will be speaking in the main. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. And then Sunday nights, January 8th. We are launching a service as a church that we are excited to be a part of, a, a service where we're going to seek God, but we're going to take some time to encounter Him and to apply it to our lives. And it's going to be an awesome service. Um, we're going to attend it as a youth. We're inviting you to attend it as the um, all the adults. It's actually an adult service, but we're all going to be there and it's going to be awesome. God is going to move and you guys are invited to be a part of it. And then also on the 8th, we are launching a high school Sunday morning, 9.30 service. And that'll actually happen in the zone. It's going to be around tables. It is going to be a chance for discipleship, a chance for relationships, and a chance for them to grow in the word. And then at the 1130 service to stay connected to the church as a whole, to attend, to serve, and just to be a part of the whole. So we're very excited about that. Tonight, I have a, a privilege. I get to introduce somebody who, who doesn't really need much of an introduction, but I get to anyways. And so he is a great man. He has study habits that would blow your mind. Um, and I, I have seen these firsthand for decades as there is not a wasted moment, whether it's in the car and he listens to like a billion hours of teaching in the car to like 150 books a year to just ridiculous studying because he has a heart to grow, to know God, to continue growing himself so that he can overflow with what God's doing on you. Would you guys please give a big warm welcome to Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok. Hey, Daniel, thank you. <laughs> wow, it's fun to do this in here, isn't it? Did you enjoy this as much as me? How many of you, you, you ate too much over Christmas? Come wave at me. I think we, we like partied for three days. All the kids and grandkids and Bonquette and fudge and carrot cake and, oh, good thing we got that fast coming up, right? <laughs> Here's the thing I have not figured out yet, all right? Why do they call it fast? Because it goes by so slow. Those of you, some of you know what I'm talking about. It does not go by fast. It just seems like time stands still. All right. Well, tonight I'd like to start in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua. And if I know we've got a lot of young people in here tonight. And if there is one thing that I would like to impress on you, it's this. That if you will live by God's word, you are going to have a great life. Everything that he tells us, he said, I, I, I command you these things for your good. But people have the idea that God is like in, in heaven mad, that God is an old fogey, that God does not understand. But he said, everything I tell you, he said, if you will do it my way, it is for your good. It's not that God's trying to withhold anything from you. In fact, the exact opposite is true. In Joshua 1.8, he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. I remember growing up, I always thought that some people were lucky, some people were unlucky. I thought God had favorites. God had pets. God did certain things for some people just because he liked them more. All right. Uh, but that is not the case at all. Notice that it says here that you will make your way prosperous. 
God says, if you will follow the wisdom that I have for you, and you will do things the way that I tell you, he said, you will have good success, and you will make your way prosperous. Now, God gave us the Bible to change the way that we think. Now, our culture is bombarding us with their morals, their values, their ideals, but God has values, he has ideas, he has morals, he has goals for your life, and they're going to be very different than what the worlds are. Right? In fact, the Bible says this, New Testament, 2 Timothy 3.16, message. It says that every part of Scripture is God-breathed. It shows us the truth. Notice there is a truth. Exposes our rebellion, corrects our mistakes, and trains us to live God's way. Right? So that's what the Bible will do. It'll, it'll tell us what truth is. It'll expose our rebellion. It'll correct our mistakes and show us how to live God's way. Now, again, back to Joshua 1.8. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Now, that doesn't mean you've got your Bible open 24 hours a day. Right? But what it does mean is that you think about what the Bible is saying. You take a verse and literally you come at it from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Right? You roll it up. You, go, you, you do everything that you can. You chew on it. As my wife says, you chew on it all the time. You think about it. You say, how would it apply at school? How would it apply in my relationships? How would it apply in my studying? How would it apply at my job? How does it affect my finances? How does it affect my marriage? And, and you, you, you constantly look at how that verse of scripture, that truth there, will be applied in your life. We call that meditation. Um, somebody said the best definition or understanding, I should say, of, of meditation is to think about a cow. Right? Now, the, I'm, nobody's just eating, I hope, all right? But a cow goes out in the field, chews that grass, and then goes, finds a tree, and lays down, and regurgitates that grass, and chews it all up again, and swallows it down again. And then it regurgitates again, and chews it, and swallows it again. That's what it is to meditate on God's word. Jesus said, he said, be careful what you're hearing. He said, the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that will come back to you and more besides. Now, God's word won't change your life in a day. Right? But as we daily, 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 daily feed on God's word, meditate on God's word, it will change your life. Right? Now, Jesus said you can't put new wine into old wineskins. Now what they would do is they would take a new wineskin, they would put wine in it, and that wine would expand, and because the, the skin was new, it would expand with the wine. But if you took an old skin that was hard, and you put the wine in it when it expanded, it would crack and it would break. So what he's telling us is this, that what we need to do is not get settled in our thinking and in our believing, right? We, we need to, to not become hard-hearted, not to be small thinking, not to have a defeatist mentality, 
right? I mean, there's people that are going around, you know, life stinks, right? Nobody in my family has ever been a success. I've never done anything successful. I never will. The world's against me, you know? Um, everything always goes the wrong direction for me. You know, if you're thinking that way, you've got to change the way that you think so that the word of God can come into your life, right? And bring the change that God wants it to bring in our life, right? God's word, it brings faith. It brings vision. It will get rid of that old negative mindset that we've got about ourselves, but we've got to take that word, we've got to meditate on it, and we've got to look, how do I apply this in my life? And as we do, we'll change. Now you remember the Bible says that God takes us from faith to faith. So what that means is this, that the faith that we have today, or put it this way, the faith we had yesterday got us to where we are today. But to get us to where God wants us to go, our faith has to grow. He's going to take you from faith to faith. In order to get to the place that God wants for you and I to end up at, we have got to grow in our faith. And of course, God's word is faith food. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, accepting God's word in our heart and watering it, meditating on it, confessing it causes it to grow. In Mark 4, it talks about how things appear, how the word of God works in our life, how it brings that change. It says, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. It's saying the full change doesn't happen all at once. You don't get everything that God wants for you in a moment. All the change that's gonna come doesn't happen in a moment. It, just like a plant grows a little bit at a time, first there's just a blade, then there's a stalk, then that ear starts to grow, finally that ear, mature, ear matures. The same thing is true when it comes to the, the effect that God's word has in our life. Right? Now, we need to expect God's wisdom and God's favor to help break us out of the ruts and negative thinking and mentality that we have and bring us to new heights. Right. Remember, Jesus kept saying, it shall be done unto you according to your faith. You know, we think God just makes things happen. But the angel, for example, Gabriel, appears to Mary and says, look, you're going to have a child. And she's like, look, I'm a virgin. This is impossible. And the angel says, look, the spirit of God is just going to come upon you. This is going to be supernatural. This is going to be miraculous. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And she said, let it be to me according to your word. It just didn't happen. God just didn't force this on her. She believed. She accepted. She said, let it be to me according to your word. We've got to believe for a breakthrough. Your life can change. Miracles can happen. Victory is possible. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, any man can be changed by faith in God, no matter how he may be fettered or how he may be bound. Things can change. Addictions can be broken. Marriages can be healed. Poverty can be shattered. Depression can flee. Broken hearts can be healed and restored. You know, the question that so many people are asking is, you know, why 
don't we see more miracles? Why do we just constantly hear about miracles, but we don't see miracles? Well, first of all, I like to say we see a lot of them. But people say, you know, it seems like God used to do things, but he's not doing things anymore. Now, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, talking about Jesus, it says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Most people believe he's the same yesterday and forever. That God used to do great things. Someday Jesus is going to come back. The kingdom's going to come, and he's going to do great things. So he's the same yesterday and forever. But the Bible says he's the same yesterday today and forever, that he is the same miracle worker. Now, it's back in the, the book of Judges, which is the seventh book in, in the Bible from, from Genesis, and the children of Israel are in the promised land, and they've turned away from God, and the enemy has, enemies have come, the Midianites, and they, they have, they're basically in hiding. They're defeated. Now it says, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah. Now you didn't know Oprah was in the Bible, did you? There she is right there. All right. <laughs> well, while his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So a wine press is not where you thresh wheat, right? He's hiding. This is kind of like the modern day equivalent of uh, taking a bath in the backseat of a Volkswagen, right? It's just not, it's not the right place, all right? You're, 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 he's hiding out, he's afraid. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, that is not at all how he saw himself. He didn't see himself as a mighty man of valor. But God came and said, this is who I see you to be. Now, we've really got to grab hold of this because the world will tell you one thing about who you are. But the world doesn't know. Because if anyone's in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And the truth is, God needs to introduce you to yourself. Because you're new. And you are who God says you are. And you can do what God says you can do. And you can have what God says that you can have. So listen to Gideon. He said, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? How many ever looked at your life and went, why did this happen, God? That's what he's doing. He's saying, look, we're defeated. If God's with us, why are we defeated? And where are all the miracles that our fathers told us about saying, didn't the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? And, and they'd heard about the Red Sea and they had heard about the manna coming down from heaven and water coming out of a rock and all the different things that God did. And he's like, where is all that? But the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. You know, so many people, that's their attitude. You know, God used to do things, but he's forsaken us. And God has put us in this mess that we're in. And the reason we've got all this trouble is because of where we are. But I want to remind you that Jesus said, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. Now, let me just kind of change that up just a little bit for you. It's saying the same thing. Little man out of his little heart brings forth little things. Stingy man out of his stingy heart brings forth stingy things. The fearful man out of his fearful heart brings forth fearful things. See, we think life happens to us, 
But Jesus said, no, life does not happen to you. He said, you bring it forth by what you have in your heart. And then he went on and he said, look, what you need to do is he says, you need to make your heart good. He compares your heart to a tree. He said, look, a bad tree doesn't bring forth good fruit. And a good tree doesn't bring forth bad fruit. He said, so make the tree good and it'll bring forth good fruit. Jesus is saying, you can make your heart good. Your heart may be fearful. Your heart may be stingy. Your heart may be depressed. Your heart may be little. But Jesus said, you can make your heart good. Right? How do you do it? You put God's word in your heart. Right? See, what God wants his word to do is to change the way we see ourselves, change the way we see our circumstances. When David went to fight Goliath, there were thousands of Israelites and every one of them looked at Goliath and said, he's huge. He'll kill me. I don't have a chance. David looked at him and went, he's huge. I can't miss. <laughs> he, no, literally, literally he, he, he said, God's with me. God's with me. It doesn't matter how big I am or, or I'm not. Right? And everybody else tried to talk him out of it. His brother tried to talk him out of it. The king tried to talk him out of it. The giant tried to talk him out of it. The king said, well, if you're going to do it, you have to do it this way. You've got to put my armor on. You've got to have my sword and my spear and my shield. And David said, hey, I don't know anything about these. I'm going to go with what I've got. And listen, God didn't need a shield and a sword and a spear and an experienced warrior. He needed somebody who believed something different in their heart. And Jesus said, according to your faith, and by the way, where is your faith? It's in your heart. The Bible says, do not doubt in your heart. See, we get something different in our heart. We bring forth something different. All right. So he's like, where are all these miracles? And God's forsaken us. And we look at our life and say, look, my job's bad. My money's bad. I'm depressed. I'm hopeless. My kids are a mess. My marriage is a mess. I'm sick. I've got this problem. I've got that problem. Where is all the miracles that are in the Bible? Well, it's great that they're in the Bible, but they got to get in your heart because you're going to bring forth out of your heart, right? Our society, if you're looking for, for confirmation of your problems, they'll tell you, you know, there's no healing, there's no deliverance, there's no miracles, there's no breakthroughs. And the angel of the Lord said to him, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now, he literally, he sat there and he said, look, he said, I am from the least of all the tribes of Israel. You understand that, angel? And besides that, my father's house, we are the least in the least of all the tribes. Basically, he was saying, I am from the Barney Fife tribe and I am Barney Fife. And you can use some people, but you really can't use me. Right? But what did God want to do? God said, look, he said, I see you as somebody totally different than who, see your, who you see yourself to be. As I was thinking about this message today, I was thinking about Jacob. Now, when Jacob is born, they name him deceiver, surplanter, trickster, con man. Right? And, and, and if you, you, you've read the story about his life, I mean, he's going around and he is conning people. That's what he's doing. 
right? And then one day, in desperation, he gets alone with God. And the Bible says literally he like wrestles with God at night. And God says to him, he said, your name will no longer be Jacob. He said, I name you Israel, a prince with God. And literally that's how he lived. He lived. The world will tell you one thing, but I want you to know that when God looks at you, he sees a new creature in Christ. He sees somebody who's forgiven, who's justified. He sees somebody who's the head and not the tail, who's above and not beneath. He sees someone who's adopted into his family. He sees someone who has the greater one living on the inside because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You know, we need to see ourselves the way that God sees us and identify ourselves that way. Jesus, the angel said, I'm sending you. Jesus said, even as my father has sent me, so send I you. So he's making all of his excuses. I'm the, we're, I'm the weakest, from the weakest family, of the weakest uh, tribe. And the, the angel didn't pay any, different, any attention at all. He said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now there's 130,000 of these Israelites, these Midianites, the enemy. And Gideon blows the trumpet and 32,000 people show up. And the Lord said, well, there's too many. He said, why don't you preach a sermon? And the name of your sermon is, all scaredy cats go home. He said, everybody who's afraid, go home. 22,000 people left. So he's left with 10,000. And God says, you still have too many. He says, take him down to the water. And uh, when we go to Israel in a couple months, we, we literally go right to the spot where Gideon took his 10,000 men. It's one of the few spots where they're, they're absolutely positive. This is the spot. Right? And uh, the men went to get a drink. Some of them got down on all fours. But there were only 300 who got down on their knee and took their hand and put it in the water and drank. And God said, send everybody else home. Just keep the 300. Just keep the 300. Now, the reason God kept the 300, they were the only ones who stayed ready. They were ready to fight. Right? They, they, they were getting their drink, but they were watching. Is there any enemy around? I'm ready to go. All the time. You know, someone, I, I, I recently had lunch with someone I hadn't seen in years. Uh, I hadn't seen him in almost 30 years. And they said, I still remember the first time you preached a sermon that I heard. He said, and you were talking about James 4, 7, which says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And you said, when do you resist the devil? All the time. All the time. We've got to be ready all the time. So with those 300 God gave victory to Gideon with just 300 men. You know, when God looks at us, he doesn't see us the way we see ourselves. He literally looks at you and says, look, there goes the righteousness of God in Christ. There goes the salt of the earth, the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. There goes an ambassador for Christ, part of my family, translated into the kingdom of God, qualified for blessing, a believer, not a doubter, somebody who's blessed going in and blessed going out the head and not the tail. 
And again, God's word is to change the way that we see ourselves. And we don't understand how much God values us. But Jesus said, what would it profit you if you gained the whole world and you lost your soul? He said, your soul, your being, your eternal being is worth more than the whole world. The earth is going to pass away, but you're going to live someplace forever and ever. The Bible says the hairs on your head are numbered. Well, for some people, sometimes that's not very hard for the Lord. You know, some of us don't have very much. Losing it. But, but actually, now, when it says they're numbered, it doesn't mean he knows how many. It means every one of them. He knows which one's number one and which one's number two and which one's number three and which one's number four and which one's number five. I mean, God is crazy about you, right? And he has given you authority over the works of the enemy. And God has more in store for you, greater things in store for you than you can even imagine. In Ephesians 2.10, it says he has prepared good works for you to do. He's prepared paths ahead of time for us to walk in. Right? Listen, you are here to make a difference. You are alive to make a difference. Right? Don't gaze and focus on your problem. Get a vision of victory that God has for your life and rise up to that level. You know, you, you need to follow the expectation that God's word creates in your heart. And remember, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? Don't dwell on negative thoughts, right? Life moves in the direction of your thoughts. If you've got a lot of positive, you're thinking positive thoughts, life is going to move in that positive direction. You're thinking negative thoughts, life is going to move in that negative direction. Right? Negative thoughts produce a negative life. They will affect your relationships. They'll affect your job. They'll affect your marriage, your family, your friends, your attitudes, your habits. It will affect everything. If you expect defeat and failure and mediocrity, that's what's going to happen. You're going to fail. Now, for because of time, I'm going to jump ahead. In, in the early 1950s, field and track experts believed that it was humanly impossible for any human being to run a four-minute mile in less, excuse me, to run a mile in less than four minutes. Right? People had been trying. They had tried all sorts of different training techniques. They were trying all sorts of things. One very famous track and field uh, superstar was drinking cheetah milk because cheetahs are the fastest animals on earth. They thought, well, maybe if I drink cheetah milk, I can run faster. Now, when I read that, my first thought was, well, who milked a cheetah? You know, I mean, like, this is, this is pretty serious stuff, all right? But they're, they're, they're trying, they're trying, all right? But in May the 6th, 1954, 25-year-old, Roger Bannister believed it could be done. And he squeezed under that four minutes with a 359.4, right? Now, within 10 years, over three, well, in, fact, in fact, 336 times, different people broke that record within 10 years. 336. Now, people had been trying to break it literally for centuries and nobody could do it. But once it was done, 336 people 
broke it within a 10-year period. Now, what changed? Only one thing changed. That barrier was gone in their mind. The barrier was gone. They believed it could be done, and they did it. Now, again, what God's word is to do on the inside of us, it's to change the way we see ourselves. It's to change what we believe is possible for us to do. Because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Right? The children of Israel, they left Egypt for the promised land. and God wanted them to move forward. But they wandered through a desert, trapped in fear, with a defeatist mentality. They focused on their problems, constantly complaining, fretting about the obstacles that was between them and the future that God had for them. Right? But I want to just, just say, finally that group died and another group came up that didn't have that same mentality. And for you and for me, today should be a new day in Christ. Don't focus on the past. Because if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In heaven right now, there's two things going on. The Bible says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. He's interceding for us. But the Bible also says the accuser of the brethren, the devil, is accusing night and day. Right? Too often, we are listening to the accuser instead of listening to what God says about us. Well, I'd like to, to uh, close this message with this all repeating a confession. Right? Can you just repeat this af after me? God says I'm blessed, so I'm blessed. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. He always leads me in triumph. He never will leave me or forsake me. By God's wisdom, I make my way prosperous. I'm the light of the world. I'm the salt of the earth. A city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? If you're here and you're not right with the Lord today, you're away from God, you once lived for him, but you've drifted away. Or you're here, you don't know where you stand with God. The Bible says to know that you have everlasting life. And if you don't know that you're forgiven, right with God, on your way to heaven, you're not where you should be. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment. I'm going to count to three. When I say three, please lift your hand. We're going to pray together. God's going to meet you right here in this place. As you lift your hand, the first thing you're saying is you're saying, God, I know I'm a sinner, need a Savior. And I'm coming to Jesus to be saved and to be forgiven. One. As you lift your hand, you're saying today, I'm going to give Jesus all of my heart, all of my life, holding nothing back. Two. Now get ready. As you lift that hand, you're saying today, I'm receiving Jesus. He's going to come into my heart. Blood wash me from my sin. Make me a new person on the inside. A part of God's family on my way to heaven. Three. Lift your hand up. So pray with me. Thank you. I see that hand. Others, include me. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. All right. Would everyone just take one hand, place it over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven, and let's pray with those that lifted their hands. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. 
I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. Thank you. You've heard my prayer. As your blood washed me from my sin, that I'm forgiven. My past is gone. I belong to you today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if that was you and you uh, made the decision to follow Jesus, to be born again, we want to talk with you. We want to meet with you. We want to pray with you. So after service, we're going to have a prayer team who's going to be up front here. Make sure to come up front and uh, meet with someone. And thank you so much just for being here and uh, joining us for our ground floor service. Be sure to stick around. We have uh, coffee, hot chocolate, some other refreshments out, outside the ground floor. So stick around, fellowship with each other. Once again, thank you for being here. Let me speak a blessing over you. If you please stand with me. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen.